Hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith, and I just got popped, man. Can you believe it? That's right. The good folks at Funko Pop have made me a pop again, and this time they called me a director. That's right. Finally, somebody said it. I'm a director, and guess what? I am director pop number 37. 37? I'm 37? That's right. You want a Kevin Smith director pop wearing a written and directed by Kevin Smith shirt? You go to Amazon.com slash Jane Silent Bob right now. That's right. Amazon has a Jane Silent Bob store, and you can find all sorts of fun stuff there. Masks, shirts, hoodies, and whatnot. But right now, get your hands on one of these little Kevs, man. You can pop them anywhere. Lube them up and pop them anywhere you like, man. So if you're lost, ladies and gentlemen, and you're looking for a little direction in your life, Funko's got you covered. Order the Kevin Smith Director Pop. It's an Amazon exclusive, so you gotta go to Amazon.com slash Jay and Silent Bob. Get yours now, man. Pre-order it, and you'll receive it December 12th. That's right, it'll ship just in time for Christmas. What are you waiting for? Get direction. Get the director, Kevin Smith Pop, only from Funko and Amazon. Hit me! Episode 325. He's got to throw some cold water on this situation. Start talking about nerd stuff. You know, nerd culture is mainstream now. So when you use the word nerd derogatorily, it means you're the one that's out of the zeitgeist. System activate. This is NetHeads with Will Wilkins and Trent Hunsaker. It's a tech podcast. Tech podcast. But we are a sh- ton cooler than your typical geek. You guys rock. And now, here's Will and Trent. Yeah. Welcome, everybody. Another edition of NetHeads. My name is Will. And I'm Trent. Uh, if you want to take part in the program, you can one of many ways. One of them uh, we used to always default to is uh, Twitter. Uh, so if you want to take part in that, uh, that is where my good friend Trent comes in to uh, let you know how you can do that one. Yeah, uh, super simple. Just use the hat, hashtag NetHeads like uh, Will Wilkins did. Uh, not too long ago, uh, well, 20 days ago. Um, and you can check out uh, some Twitch stuff that he's posting there. He's always hashtagging NetHeads, as well as uh, people letting me know that I've screwed up on some things, which is part of the fun. What? <laughs> wait a second, wait a second. What What exactly have you, What? how is it, wait, we, we're not even into the first minute of this. Uh, so what have you? So what have you screwed up on in the past? That's what they must be telling you. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, nothing, nothing recent. Uh, but like, that's that's how you can let me know that, like, no, actually, it was in uh, FF number uh, ninety-seven was uh, Jack Kirby's last published work with the company. He went to DC uh, before ninety-eight was published. Stuff like that. Oh, gotcha. I understand. Well, that's a damn shame. But you know what? Hey, if if not for our faults, what what else would we have? Uh, also, it. Nah, I don't want to open up the phone lines. Forget that. But uh, you can definitely go ahead and and take part one in many ways. The the neat thing though is Trent. One of the things that I finally remembered to do is to make sure that when the tweet goes out to say that we're live, let's actually point them to a destination. Even though we're going out <laughs> to Twitter, 
Right. Why, why don't we just go ahead and make sure that we're also like directing somebody to go to YouTube as well? Because, you know, one of the one of the goals that I have, uh, other than actually getting back to doing the podcast weekly somehow, is to is to start actually paying attention to our media and start growing it in a productive manner. So the next step would be to get, for example, NetHeads on Air as a channel up to about a thousand subscribers. I don't think it's an un realistic goal if we could get every single listener to the show to do it then we would uh we'd be fine is that is that where you can partner at a thousand yeah technically speaking that's where you can partner and you can yeah. uh, you can uh be a part of everything what, what are you drinking there is that is that an herba mate based drink or just some kind of it energy drink is a rockstar recovery oh are it's we a- are we in recovery right now no, I just like it because it doesn't. Ha- it's not like carbonated. It just oh. tastes like you know, like a sunny delight. Speaking of which, you know, I, I can't believe you brought up sunny delight of all things. I dude. love sunny D, man. And you know, as long as we're, as long as we are a tech show, uh, obviously this applies. Um, what exactly is sunny delight? What is what is it? It's a citrus drink, right? But yeah, it's not it, orange juice. Yeah, I, I I think it's like it's like name brand tampico and granted tampico makes a lot of different flavors but when you say tampico people think of the orange drink and i think sunny d is like the grocery store name brand tampico where tampico is like the the gas station or bodega version of sunny d now you bring up an interesting uh item there trent because educationally speaking what the hell is tampico (gasps) really yeah no clue absolutely none it's 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 like Sunny D and and Sunny D is a name brand. I think it's owned by Kraft. Okay, wait a second. And- You've now put me into a logical loop. You're right. telling me Tampico is like Sunny D. Sunny D yeah. is like Tampico. Yeah. But it, so is it another bottled citrus drink? Yes, and both Sunny D and Tampico have multiple flavors. We just associate the brand name with a, with the most popular flavor. Gotcha. So you're telling me that if I were an adventurous individual, I could potentially go out into the world and I could find Sunny D strawberry, for example. Bad example, but let's just say for shits and giggles. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't know we were going to get into the Sunny D of it all, folks, but it just, I, I just, it was amazing to me because I had just recently had a discussion in my home where we were discussing citrus drinks and orange juice and and I know personally for me I, I didn't know what uh Sunny D even was. I just remember I remember drinking it a lot. Uh I remember enjoying it, but I'm not necessarily saying that it was good. I guess is the best no. way to put it. Yeah. I mean uh gosh I'm trying to they've they've got so it's 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 P and G product. Um, it's distributed by the uh, Cadbury Company, um, and let's see here, two percent or less juice in it from concentrate. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And their their flavors are orange, or at least their concentrated juices that they use in the different flavors are orange, tangerine, apple, lime, grapefruit, and pear. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm a little. I'm a little more with you now. I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm on, I'm Johnny on the spot, but I at least have an idea about what is going on. Okay. Okay. So, so they have multiple flavors such as tangy orange, 
which I think is the one that w- that we all grew up drinking. Um, they also have smooth orange, orange strawberry, orange mango, orange peach, watermelon, fruit punch, peach mango. I have seen the blue raspberry, uh, cherry limeade, lemonade, apparently, and orange pineapple. Those are their flavors. Okay. All right. I, I feel much better now. I have a deeper understanding. It's just some type of blended beverage. That's what it is. I, yeah. And I, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't anticipate us doing this like deep dive on um, on Sunny D. I don't know. I, I don't know why I, I I wanted to take the conversation so deep, but it's just another one of those creepy time moments where. Suddenly, we're we're discussing something that somehow just came up yesterday as well in, amongst my family. So it's when, just strange. When was the last time you had Sunny D? For me, it's been at least a decade. Wow. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I've had it since like my late teens, maybe at the most. And I and I, I I wonder. I kind of want to go buy some just to see. At least for me growing up, the worst part about Sunny D was, and I feel like this was part of their design in the bottle to keep people from drinking straight out of the jug, the lip on the uh, around the top, like it wasn't a flush. uh, It didn't like the, the top of the bottle didn't go flush with the grooves on the cap. It came in. Yes, it did. That's right. It would like it wouldn't cut it, but it was very uncomfortable and kind of hurt when you would drink out of it because the lip would catch on the lip of the bottle would catch on the inner of your own lip. And that sharp plastic was not great feeling. Yeah. Plus you really shouldn't be drinking straight out of the bottle of anything. If, no. you're, if you're in a home with other people. No. Yeah. I just, I wonder if they changed that design or if, or if that was on purpose to deter people from like drinking it straight out of the bottle and going, you know, directly into a diabetic coma. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Paul, Four Color PJ, comes to us uh, through Twitch saying, fruit drinks have a lot of very odd rules of what can be called a beverage and juice. Also rules on what is fruit and real fruit. Oddly, several of those categories don't need the actual juice they are being called. Ah, as long as it... Okay, interesting. That is amazing. I did not know that. Um, So thank you for that informative uh, extra bit of information. Appreciate it, Paul. Paul, a long time... Uh, participant in the show as well uh, as, as many others, including uh, one of our TikTok followers. Is, well, one of mine is uh, joining us as well, Trent. Uh, his name is Ben, and he said it's great in a blender with vanilla ice cream to make a shake, which I could also see. And I and I was gonna say it is the only time that I've used, and I haven't used. I've used Tampico instead of uh, Sunny D. Is is if uh, like as a cheap mixer, like if I don't want to like actually muddle some sugar. Uh, I will just get some Tampico um, to, to mix cocktails because it's got way more than enough sugar for cocktails. Understood. I know one of the things I was attempting to convey when my basically I think my entire family was just saying, wow, you know what? Sunny D is disgusting. Um, I just remember that it did have kind of a certain creamy quality compared to other beverages. So I could definitely see it being an enhancement to a shake for sure. Yeah, and and I'll, I'll bet that that like flavor is because its shelf life is freaking forever. Working at the grocery store, I remember like Sunny D could sh- sit on the shelf forever. Yeah, Matt Westphalen also pointing out Sunny D had a weird aftertaste. Didn't ruin it for me, but I didn't love it. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Right. It's just not yeah. the 
not not the best. For me, it wasn't even an aftertaste. It was just like an after. Uh, it was an after coating, if you will. You know what I mean? Kind of like, like the way almond milk gives leaves a film in your mouth. But funny, funny story uh, and relevant to past episodes. I've actually never, never had almond milk. Jesus, I just have it all the time now because, yeah. uh, you know, in in living kind of that low carb, carb free lifestyle, I um, made, I adapted making like a latte because I was an idiot and spent way too much money on an espresso machine, thinking it would get me out of the Starbucks rut. And I only say an idiot because. Um, <laughs> Now all I, I'm, I mean, I am saving money. I've definitely got a return on an investment for me, but in some ways, I kind of feel obligated with the money that I spent that I have to always make like sure. a latte. Right. So in order to kind of get that latte experience, still, I had to vary it up. So I went with unsweetened uh, vanilla almond milk, which. You know, honestly speaking, after you get past all of the coffee that you add in and all the other ways that I ruin what be, would be a decent latte, uh, it, it, it just it, it adds a creaminess to it, which is fine. But it's not like I really taste the almond at all, because have I ever gone into just how much I ruin my coffee? <laughs> no, actually, you haven't. You We've, we've definitely gone over the the uh, processes of extracting milk from a uh the the legume known as an almond now uh for to give some of you some insight a little history into that what he's referring to is there was a certain point where i was like you know what buying almond milk is for suckers because i've got a vitamix blender i can make it at home right right yeah and so what that process involves though is that you need to have a nut sack, guys. Yeah, you got to milk it. You got to milk that nut sack, Will. You really do. And you got to squeeze your nut sack real hard if you want to get the milk out. Uh, and what I'm referring to is a fine mesh bag that you you put the, uh, you soak the almonds, then you eventually add more water, you blend that up, and then you put it into this bag as a way to filter it out. And so uh led to many fun hours chuckling about you know working my nutsack but uh all in all the joke has passed but no i uh, i do that thing where i kind of i make a latte variant of the quote unquote bulletproof coffee have you heard about this nonsense i have not bulletproof coffee yeah Is that so like bulletproof you can't screw it up uh or that it's supposed to help you be a bulletproof solution to taking on your day or whatever. It was it. It's a specific bulletproof is actually a specific brand name by the guy that came up with this. But what he, uh, I think, what he postulated is that by making it this way, you create a beverage that will help suppress appetite, but also quote unquote improve mental clarity. So okay. it traditionally made. You have uh, organic beans that are uh, ground fresh, and you make your coffee in a French press. And then for the coffee, you add two tablespoons specifically of the Kerrygold Irish unsalted butter. You add at least one tablespoon of medium chain triglyceride oil, which is derived from coconuts. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, that's it. And the coffee. And you blend those together and it makes a creamy, frothy cup of coffee that's supposed to give you energy, suppress your appetite, all that jazz. And I honest, look, I full disclosure, I've been drinking these damn things for over two years now. So, you know, right. my body is more than likely adapted to it, but still it does give me a kick in the morning. I have to make a latte variant, however, and one of the things that my brother-in-law suggested was, you know, well, what you could do if it's not fully holding your appetite over, you could also add like collagen powder to it. So I add a dark chocolate flavored collagen powder. And then the almond milk uh, comes into play for the creaminess. So I make uh, a quad shot espresso. I add in the two tablespoons of butter to the espresso when I'm brewing it to melt that. I add the uh, collagen protein powder into that, and that gets all blended together. Then I put the MCT oil in with the about uh, 200 uh, milliliters of almond milk. Might be somewhere close to a cup. I don't know. I just know that I use the 200 milliliter indicator in my frothing mug uh, to take that up to along with the tablespoon, like I said, of the MCT oil. So that way when I'm frothing the milk, I feel that the heat and the steam helps that emulsify into one thing, right? Yeah. And then I pour that into my coffee mess. But the so what I'm drinking is in no way, shape, or form something that somebody who drinks coffee would probably say is a cup of coffee. But the nice side benefit is that every morning I get to enjoy a tasty cup of what tastes like hot chocolate because I forgot to add in that I also do use uh, like five or six pumps of sugar-free vanilla syrup. So ah, okay. what I wind up with is basically a juiced up uh, cup of hot chocolate, which is a great way to start the day. And odds yeah. are, yeah, I typically when I have that, I won't get hungry until like at least noon. So Yeah, okay. Yeah, I and through doing that, I accidentally kind of fell in on, I guess, to intermittent fasting because now I almost never eat until at least like 2 o'clock. But, hey, speaking of which, I noticed something the other day. I was looking at some of our older videos. And, yeah, again, folks, tech podcast, right? <laughs> tech podcast. <laughs> um, uh, I have uh, – I was looking at our old videos and I noticed something. Looking at our faces, I am willing to venture a guess. I'm thinking you and I are probably at our lightest that we've ever been when interacting with each other. Because, oh, I, yeah, I, I know I am. I'm noticing that there is way, way less to your face than I'm used to seeing. Yeah, yeah. And well, and, and like, like we've collectively, we've probably like, we've probably shed a Jason Muse. <laughs> I okay look full disclosure in, in, mass, in mass not not in character we could never even you know we don't even bring that to the table but but in 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 sheer gravitational mass we together we've we've shed a muse more than likely okay so hold on let me uh so far on well let's see now so far on my weight loss journey Trent that's the way I feel and and I admit too that that when you get into this kind of uh, horse crap there's a certain point where you just kind of almost become obsessive about your weight but realistically speaking I wish it was something I had done many many years ago instead of now but uh, anyway so let's see I'm gonna do some quick math so let's take 23 pounds off the table and using my last weight 23 and 46 that is 69 <laughs> is that 69? 23 and 46 
Sure. Kitty. All right. So I've lost a total uh, of 69 pounds. What about you? Uh, since uh, February, when, when I was let go from my work, I've lost 60 pounds. Like, exactly. Okay. So that's 129 pounds. I, I, okay. No, no, not a muse. Maybe potentially a young muse, a young and svelte yeah. muse. Which muse are we, are, are we on, do we have on the other side of the scale? <laughs> Sean Hogarty pointing out, who's also Vaca Boca on um, on Twitter, which is a name that we've we've also seen for ages. So thank you for being a part of the party, Sean. And Sean Ryan uh, pointing out the coffee you drink when you don't drink coffee. Glenn Patterson is telling one of us we need a shave. Uh, but Sean Hogarty pointing out that is excellent phrasing. Way less of your face and shed a Jason Muse. Uh, <laughs> and I would agree, 120 pounds would probably be, relatively speaking, a, a better part of a muse. It's definitely yeah. a person. We have shed a person between us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, easily. And yeah. I'm not just talking about when we lost America from the show. We've, we've no. shed a person between no, us. No, we've, we, yeah, we've, we've, we've shed the mass equivalent to a human being, to, to a sentient creature. Most definitely. And, and you, uh, I wish this was the point where we were like segueing to like uh, Noom being a sponsor or the app or the or the <laughs> apps that we've used to do it. I mean, part of my quote unquote journey has come from uh, technology in a way because through my main job, uh, I got uh, I was joined into this program that I got to use for two years. But realistically, what it does, it was more about food logging, making good choices, avoiding some of the higher carbohydrate food. But the other thing that it did is it had a scale that you could stand on. You had you were supposed to stand on it every morning or at least once a day. And then it would transmit that weight to the program. And then you would also have it in your app. So in that case, I was very aware of what I was eating, at which point then I could see the trends of what I ate and, and how they reflected into weight loss or gain, whether it was temporary water fluctuation or actual weight gain. So in that respect, I could say technology helped me, but you know, it hasn't been anything like using a uh, carb manager or anything else, which is interesting because there have been a lot of different technologies I have tried through the years. I had the body bug, uh, a few, a few versions of that one. Yeah. Uh, really on that, weren't you? Huh? Didn't did you didn't you get like a beta on it? One of them, yeah. I got yeah. Uh, so there was that. Um then also after the body bug was the Nike fuel band, which boy, that was a worthwhile investment of my time for sure. Um <laughs> although, <Okay. laughs> well it I mean it sounded good at the time because they basically came up with their own metric for being able to track uh, exercise and its impact on energy. And it was supposedly through like os oxygen uh, or carbon dioxide expulsion or something. But the idea was whether you were a 323 pound guy like me or a guy like Jason Muse or what have you, uh, or a Casey Neistat uh, who runs like miles and miles a day. He's a YouTuber. Uh, if you if you were all using Nike Fuel, then you were all on a level and competitive playing field if you wanted to be competitive about your activity and, and the impact there. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> Sean Hogarty pointing out, I shall now consider my subsequent weight loss the shedding of a sentient creature. Uh, 
about 45 pounds so far, so it is a very small creature. But, I mean, like, uh, when, that's, when, that's, Winston that's a is, big toddler. Yeah, Winston is sleeping in the corner here, and uh, I don't know. I remember, I know I showed you my corgi at six pounds. He's now in excess of 15, so that would that would be at least three Winstons. So, uh, qu quick, quick sidebar, yeah. Dude, freaking Winston's Instagram is on fleek. Holy crap, dude. It is so good. <laughs> okay, for fir first of all, I don't know if anything's on fleek anymore. Um, I, I, it's funny because I was going to preface that saying, like, I haven't heard this for about five years, but I'm going to use it. <laughs> I, I, I think we could almost get by by saying it's lit. I think we could still yeah. use lit acceptably. <laughs> Which is such a weird term for me because growing up, that meant drunk. Yeah, exactly. Or high or something. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad to hear that considering there are like three people curing it. And what is it? It's like Winston underscore Pem underscore Corgi, Corgi yeah. or something. Uh, um, but yeah. So, you know, like, man, I'm just blown away at how good it is. Well, like I said, you got multiple people curating it, and he yeah. is a, he is a consistent content generator as he has been growing. So sure, that sure. has been fun. I did notice the other day, though, that uh, like two or three days ago, I suddenly came to the realization he is not he doesn't really have any puppy isms anymore or pu physical puppy attributes. He is now literally transformed into a smaller corgi that is going to get bigger. I would almost say he was he's like one of those things where you like drop it in water and it will double in size type of thing. He's he's an adolescent. Yeah, he is. Uh but it's also been great cuz he's also gone from being a, a rather stubborn uh and overzealous puppy into kind of a cuddly fun animal so he's uh he he's definitely been a, a, an amazing adventure to travel on he's sleeping right now or i would pick him up and show you and and oh. before the end i'll try but you know he's just like a small child a sleeping winston is a good winston i need to right. stop saying his name because it, since we've started this conversation he's gone from one point yep. in the office to the other <laughs> just just human beings in general have such a hard time over talking to our pets um, I don't know if normal people do, but I know I do. My wife has officially told me I'm obsessed with him, which is true. I am. Uh, as a matter of fact, and I don't know what this uh, is either. I think this goes back to childhood. I think there are different levels and interactions that people have with their dogs. And since I was a, since I was a wee lad, uh, when I got my first dog, which I'm going to say was like around seven or eight years old. Naturally, when I had a dog, I wanted it to sleep with me. Now, at the time, when I was a kid, the reasoning behind that was that dogs would sense ghosts, so if anything bad were coming, my dog would warn me if a ghost was coming. I'm not saying it was a, it was a, it was an idea based on on science, Trent, okay? I'm just saying that in the mind of a seven-year-old or eight-year-old, it added up, okay? Yeah. And had nothing to do with having previously watched like um, Stephen King's uh, The Cat's Eye or anything like that. No, nothing like that. It, it was based on absolutely nothing other than the fact that if they can hear better than we can, it could. I mean, look. It, I mean, intuitively, that makes sense. Right. Exactly. I mean, you know, and they're supposed to be protectors. Yeah. So because of that, I got used to having pets sleep with me. And now I am 
This, what I'm about to say is in no way, shape, or form a knock on my wife, but she is a person that is against animals being in the bed you sleep in, which I can completely understand from a hygienic standpoint. And, you know, as, as somebody who sleeps with a, uh, with a, a dog, which we know you do, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, then Lurch, uh, well, let's just put it this way. Lurch is a dog of size, but it doesn't matter the size of the dog. If your animal is sleeping with you, unless they have a specific spot that you're working around, your sleep is going to work around accommodating where they are at in the bed. Yep, this is true. Any any like sleep specialist or chiropractor, masseuse, anyone will tell you to stop sleeping with your dogs. You'll sleep better. Right, uh, which is true. And, and so uh, for years, though, that's still something I have enjoyed. And the times that, for example, I have uh, one of the things that I've established in my family with both of my daughters now, because they're varying ages, 17 and six widespread. So now I'm finding as one cycle has ended, a new one is beginning as the teenager naturally does not want to camp in the family room with dad, which by the way is not camping. It's inflating an air mattress, uh, setting it up nice and fluffy with a, a sleeping bag. So you're not sleeping on a cold, empty air pocket. And then, you know, a nice comforter and real bed sheets. But now the, the six year old is enjoying that too. She wants to sleep downstairs with dad. Now, when I did it with Emily, I had my dog, Jack, and Jack would sleep with us. And I just, it's one of those things where I just hearken back to my childhood, perhaps, but I just love it. And so now, uh, to some degree, I'm either providing relief to my wife or frustration to my wife because more often than not, I'm recommending, oh, do you want to sleep downstairs on Friday night? And part of the reason is so that I can create those bonding memories with my daughter. But the flip side is that I know that I'm going to, have Winston with us too. I'm going right. to. And, yeah. he, and so far he has become great at it. Jack was really great at it because if I slept at my bag, he would just kind of like nestle near my feet between my legs. So it wasn't an issue. And Winston is a good parallel leg sleeper. So if I, wherever I'm at, he'll sidle up to a leg and then plop down there. Uh, and, and also if I haven't mentioned it before too, I will freely admit as well that when we first got him that first night, I slept downstairs not to avoid hearing a dog crying as he's getting crate trained because I wanted to establish a bond and be part of the pack with him. Yeah. Am I overthinking things, Trent? Not at all. No, this is that's it's imprinting. It's it's basic stuff for for uh, uh, newborn uh, animals in general. Like even gosh, I mean, uh, growing up when when my mom was breeding horses, like the imprinting starts when after the afterbirth has been pulled off of the foal and like, you know, she's, she's pounding the bottom of their feet so that they, from that age on they're, they're used to having a, a human touching their feet so they can be shot easily. Stuff like that. No, that's, that's, it's not overthinking at all. That's, that's good practice. All righty. I feel much better now. Thank you again. Tech podcast, everybody. Um, so yeah, it's uh and how are things, have things been well with lurch as long as we're having pup talk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, granted, you know, working um, from home probably 85% of the time now, uh, he has just turned it. He's so his separation anxiety is is palpable. Like, man, he does not like being left alone. Luckily, he is a fiend for uh, 
um, high value treats that I can still, even though he knows what's coming, that I'm going to leave the house for a couple of hours, he will still still go to his dog run for some for some hamburger. So that hasn't been an issue. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's 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 doing great. He uh, he's not one of those dogs that likes to that he doesn't want to spend the whole night in bed. He he will he definitely does like mornings after the first uh, let out to use the bathroom he jumps right in bed and will and will go back to sleep, but he would prefer to be uh, down on the ground during during his REM cycle, which has actually been kind of a weird for me because uh, Michael Sarah was like, I am in bed if I am in the bedroom. Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, let, let's face it, man. This is that's kind of a major change for you because since Sherman you've been sharing your bed with it with a yeah. dog yep yep so but in some ways I'm sure hey that could also be contributor to those 60 pounds because now you're getting a little bit more quality sleep it's the, you know there's there's a lot to that I'm sure I definitely I, it's, it's what I firmly believe so let's just stick with it shall we um <laughs> okay so that's enough about pup talk other than the fact that yes I am very obsessed with my dog it's the first time I've ever ever even entertain the concept of clicker training and but but i'm at least at least i'm invested and interested in it and uh i can definitely also appreciate the difference that happens when you work from home versus so i i really hope that uh lurch gets uh accommodating if things ever go back to normal which i I don't have high hope right now that's just me excuse me Um, no i like i man i am way more productive working from home and then just going up to to campus for like scheduled shoots i i get so much more done at home than because you don't have to deal with the the minutiae of an office yeah yeah the only thing that you don't have and this is the reason why zoom can be good is that if you need to have that human interaction you can still get on a call and interact with people so you can still feel like you're social and not some some mutant just you know trapped in your house which uh, having worked from home for four years uh, that definitely uh it helps like i almost insist on it but um but i don't know uh when things are going to go back to normal and and in some ways i kind of hope they don't i mean i really hope that this entire experience we're going through has opened up companies minds to the concept that uh, you don't have to have people in an office to keep an eye on on them to get the job done. But I hope it also shows that, you know, one of the benefits that people have when they work from home is that, you know, it's not such a chore if you suddenly realize, oh, there was one more thing I wanted to do. And you could just like drop into your workspace real quick and do that and then get back on with your day, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's with zoom too. It's interesting because, uh, since meetings are so specific now in in that, like we have to schedule a time and we can't just like pull people in, uh, for a meeting as we need to or whatever, they are so much more effective and stay on point now so much better than, than before where, and and granted I've, my current position has been, totally during covid like since the hire so but compared to other places like the meetings are just like here's what we need here's what's coming up blah 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 okay goodbye and i've appreciated that a ton yeah that's the way it should be the only thing that i find though is that if you do have groups that you regularly meet with there will be a part of the meeting that will then convert to the interaction part that you don't have no longer going into an office. So in other words, there's no dropping by a cubicle to ask a question and then having that 15-minute social discussion about what you did on the weekend or overnight or anything else. So 
social interaction is becoming more permissible, but it always kind of either happens at the t head or the tail end of the meeting, which I appreciate. Right. The other thing I appreciate, and this is sort of a tech talk item, is that uh, now during 2020, we have seen an excess of free conferences that are available. Uh, and the awesome thing is that you get to attend them right there from your home. So no more is there the, even though some people look for it, the burden of travel and tracking receipts, checking into the hotel room, making sure you get the receipt for the, your meal. I don't want to go beyond my per diem, getting into a crowded space. My God, they don't have the ventilation set up properly here and it's getting so damn hot. None of that exists. Now all these conferences are just happening and it's fine. Like I, for, for this year, I finally got to attend at least part of the payment card industry uh, North American community meeting, which, you know, is once again, it's just a tech conference, people trying to earn the credits they need to, for their continued uh, education uh, credits to maintain their certs. Uh, but I finally got to attend one because of that reason. And I, I think companies have been really good now for adapting to it and saying, okay, so we're not going to charge people, but... Uh, let's still put out a quality product to keep them engaged so that way hopefully next year when things go back to normal, they convert to normal. Have, uh, have you attended any like industry-specific ones? The the only one I, I've attended was uh, Adobe Max, and it uh, a colleague of mine last year went, and she raved about how just amazing and good it was. And, and at the time, I was uh, only doing web design, um, so it was less relevant i mean it's still relevant but um had i known the breadth and depth uh that max covers i would have gone last year um i'm gonna screenshot and share on twitter using the hashtag netheads what my uh virtual schedule was and you'll see a lot of uh conflicting stuff uh and this is again this is what's so great about the the virtual conference uh format is it everything was recorded even if it was live, there's still a recording of it so that they, it's easy to put up. They don't have to have the um, the camera crew, the, the two camera setup or one camera setup or whatever they're using, the Kaltura setup uh, to capture it. Um, but with that, you know, there, there's definitely a uh, less lesser quality in the production, but uh, your um, tolerance for for that production quality also goes down with it. Anyway, it was insane. I, I mean, I, I covered everything from everything from um, uh, instructional design on like how to make a good explainer video or how to make a better explainer video to uh, one of the, probably the best ones I, I sat in on was the um, editor for uh, Deadpool. I say Deadpool cause he's done a ton of stuff. That's just what I remember the most. Um, he went through his workflow and it changed how my workflow is like immediately. And I'm already seeing like it, this week alone, I, I've, I've shaved off hours um, in my in my workflow. So it, it was insane. And I haven't even begun to scratch uh, all the stuff that I have or that I wanted to see because Adobe's AI is called uh, Sensei, um, like like a like a teacher. Um, and the, the things that it's using now. So, uh, for a while they've had content fill 
uh, in uh, Photoshop, which is, man, if, if you're doing any sort of graphic design, it's awesome. So, for example, if you've got a photo and you want to take out a light pole, you can uh, circle the light pole, uh, put fill content aware, and it will just cover, it'll it'll figure out, okay, most of the pixels aren't this light pole, we're going to blend it in, and then, then you don't have to spend the time like making a mask or, or stamping over it, blah, blah, blah. Sensei has gotten so powerful and strong enough, they're able to do it in video. Bow to your sensei! <laughs> yes sorry the moment you said sensei i've been dying to do that <laughs> uh yeah anyway so so it's it's so cool again it was free and even if you're not an adobe product user there were there were enough general topic things that weren't i mean everything was tied into the product but there were still like uh you know like like the how to make a good explainer video or how to um what uh there were a ton on um, TikTok videos and social media videos and social media content and stuff like that, uh, that th there's enough theory involved that anyone that's in a, in like the, the creation production, like realm could glean something from it. And normally this is like a $2,000 conference. Um, and they put it on for free. I'm, you know, which I'm sure they're hoping to, to recoup the losses next year from everyone that's had such a great, um experience from it that they will either have like a here's your virtual package and it costs this much or here's your live package if you're coming to the conference that costs this much type thing but um it's it's the first one i've been to uh outside of like education specific uh conferences and man blew every expectation i had out of the water i think you may have hit on one important point when you mentioned how they uh took certain approaches uh, for the many different social media platforms as well, having presentations for them. Uh, I think it's a genius idea, especially given that uh, so many people, and I'm not kidding, man, there are so many people that are switching to content creation now because they've just been cooped up and, and either stumbled across a certain level of popularity they weren't anticipating, or it's just something that made them start thinking more along those lines that having a free conference showing how you can use their products as a way to enhance and make better products for those platforms is perfectly timed. And making it free is genius because then all you got to do is sell them on the, the creative cloud platform and for only, and it's true guys, again, not a paid ad, for only nope. $50 a month, which granted, I know that's $600 a year. An investment. It is a sound investment because, for yeah. example, if I were to pay out of pocket for standalone editions of the following programs that I use, if not daily, definitely multiple times a week, Adobe Audition, yep, Adobe Premiere, yep. Adobe Photoshop. Those three are your basics. And if you did those as standalone software packages, each one is 600 bucks. So already... You do the subscription for one, you've got them for all three. And again, as a package, it has benefits. For example, if you've ingested your video footage for something and now you're working on it in Adobe Premiere and you're like, wow, you know what? I didn't realize there's a low level buzz on this. Or you know what? The room is providing a little more air. I really wish it was more focused on the person's voice. Or, you know, I really wish I could enhance them right here. If you've got 
two of those three products right from an Adobe Premiere, you can say, you know what? I want to work on the audio for this clip in Adobe Audition. And instantly you're able to denoise, you're able to level it. If you're working with any audio where you're potentially going to be airing in a broadcast fashion, oh. again, audio content management and editing is so important because then you're able to process the audio at proper broadcast standards that they're expecting. We, we think of them in different terms. I think of them as luffs and Trent thinks of them as... Uh, likes like LKES. Yeah. And, and essentially it all boils down to ensuring that the audio quality is consistent because you don't want one part of your, your, uh, content to be really, uh, actually, let me put it this way. If you've ever been trying to watch a movie late at night, right. And, oh. and you're like, you turn it, <laughs> yeah, the rest of the house is asleep. You're trying to get the volume just right. So you turn it to the point where you can hear people. But then the moment the action and the music kicks in and things have gone up exponentially, it seems, that's because the sound isn't at least properly balanced. It, there's something off in the mix. So like from a broadcast standard or from a broadcast standard, you want to make sure that like the commercials and the TV show are more in line and that the audio is set at appropriate levels for accessibility across the board. And that's these standards kind of came into play. So like for a, a mono broadcast or a serial broadcast, one of the two, I'm always shooting for negative 18 LUFs. So that way the audio level is consistent across the board. My intro music isn't louder than that, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and the idea would be too, that if somebody was going from say our podcast to another podcast, that those volume levels would not be drastically different as well. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, that's for, for anything that's going out on television, that's, the law uh <laughs> like that's that's the calm act uh which is uh the i forget the acronym but yeah essentially so that like you're not like um you remember like oh gosh late 90s where the big selling point for a lot of televisions was that it would normalize all audio so that it would uh you wouldn't get louder commercials than you were getting uh in the television uh, yep. programs themselves so this this was to kind of supersede that so that people uh can't like inundate you with with loud advertising uh and whatnot but yeah it's it's and and you hit right on the point too that i think is the biggest advantage um because uh at work uh for my day job uh the the standard is that we we are a we are a apple organization and we are a final cut organization and you will use final cut for all your products for all of your deliverables um and it it's it's a great program it's $200 it's cheap um and there hasn't been an update for 10 like a like a uh a purchase update for for 10 years so if you spent $200 10 years ago you've still you've got the latest version still um but I still have to do all my audio in audition. Uh, like that's just the way it is. If I, if I want it to, to, to be able to see frequencies, which, Oh, especially after, after max I've stopped. And this, this has changed a lot for me. I've stopped using um, noise cancellation and actually just started taking things out in uh, frequency ranges. And it sounds so much better. I've, I've lost the, the, broadcast through a tin can sound that you'd sometimes get through trying to like find that right sweet spot of noise cancellation um but anyway yeah like uh 
it, it's you're working across all the different platforms and they work so perfectly. Um, I'm working on a project today where uh, I, I was given some footage that is not good and it has got a ton of noise gain in it. Um, and the the most powerful way to do that is in After Effects. So I can just right click replace with uh, After Effects composition. I can do all the work in After Effects, and then it pulls directly from After Effects into Premiere without having to render a compressed version to then put into Premiere. Like it's so seamless that it's you're doing yourself a disservice by not using it. I, I feel that's the case. I think you should always sort of explore all of the technological options that directly relate to what it is you're trying to do. And if you're right now in content creation, especially considering I believe most of the market is still PC based because you can you can especially in this a new era of content creation where you're like, you know, I'm going to put out I'm going to have a YouTube channel, I'm going to have a Twitch streaming, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. So if you want to build a production beast, you and you know the right people, you can build a high quality computer for still, I would say now, probably at the cost of about 700 bucks and below, or, yeah. or you could buy, build a really high end still yourself for somewhere around a thousand to 1200. Um, of course, now with the COVID of it all, we're running into situations where a lot of the convenient content creation tools are unavailable. Good luck finding anything. Uh, if you wanted to use a USB interface to control the various aspects of your audio, good luck finding some of the go XLR products right now, yep. for example. Yeah. You like, like you're, you're ordering from a site in Germany has been the only place I've been able to find them. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, it, like, interestingly enough, myself, as, as many know, I have, uh, one of my engagements, if you will, is uh, acting as the technological guy for Kevin Smith's Smodco, uh, which means that uh, very soon uh, there is, I'll just say there's strong desire for me to go down to do some studio work after appropriate quarantines and tests and everything else. And one of the challenges that I have to do is, sounds really simple, uh, but you know I realize it can be somewhat complex, and that is to bring... Uh, Jason Muse's studio into play so that there are two microphones in there in case he is streaming with Kevin. And one of those ways would have been to go with, for like the larger Go XLR, right? Yeah. Yep. Now me here, I'm old school. I use a mixer. I prefer mixing because that way I can control where audio goes as well. For example, the reason why Trent and I are able to converse so well and why a lot of my virtual conferences go so well is because I'm able to control and take his audio in, I'm able to send my audio out, and I'm able to remove his audio from returning back to him, right? Right. Called Conventionally called a mix minus. Uh, and when I do the switching, uh, when we stream out, I stream out through OBS and rather than having to rely on my keyboard of the program, so that way I can always like be present so I could actually, you know, just if I want go, Bow to your sensei! I could throw that one in there. Um, <laughs> I, I use, uh, the Elgato stream deck to work with OBS, but it does a lot more than that. So, like, one of the things that I'm going to be exploring over the next week is, can I control all the different... What can I control using the Stream Deck? Because they're going to be upgrading uh, Muse's Studio to be the larger one. 
And if I can replicate certain elements, because for example, uh, like one of the, all the rages now, you find people streaming together, right? And right now, one of the hottest games to stream uh, is Among Us, uh, which, I, are you familiar with this oh. game from 2017? I am, yes. So it's all the rage. Somebody had the perfect point. They're like, you know, when quarantine first started, we were all playing uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons, where it's about building homes and farming and doing everything else. And now we've come to the point of quarantine where we're playing Among Us, a game where we're all strategically figuring out the best way to kill everyone playing the game. Uh, so that's very telling. But one of the cool things that, that people are doing when they're streaming now is they have to be able to do two things. Let's take the Twitch example as the primary one. You have to be able to control your audio so that way uh, one of the other things they're doing is they have their Discord chat going so everybody can talk about the point once they're trying to deliberate who the killer is. But when they're doing activities or if you're dead, you need to be able to mute yourself. So right. that provides a technical technological challenge you have to overcome because you always have to be sending your audio to your Twitch stream to keep your audience engaged and be able to speak and converse with them or provide your narration of what's going on. But you also have to be able to quickly and conveniently be able to mute your chat audio so that way you're not sending when everyone's running tasks or if you're dead and you don't want to be heard. Now, there's one of two ways to do that. One. The GoXLR product has that type of integration to where you can control it and you can select a specific bus and you can mute yourself going to chat so that way you yep. don't have to hear them anymore and they won't hear you. But the way I want to explore, because these Elgato Stream Decks, they are some powerful little beasts. Oh, yeah. I want to see if I can also just have it. So I hit a button and now I'm muting the chat. I'm not sending audio to it. I'm not hearing audio from it. Not, neither nor, right? What can I do? Because as a product, these things are great when you're working in a streaming environment. Because, like, you know, I can press a button. Now it's Trent. I press a button. Now it's me. I can press a button. It's supposed to be the vector camera. But now it's just my Darth Vader sensey older because Winston has knocked it over 20 ways to Sunday. Um, well, you know, he's rambunctious. Uh, boy. But you can also stack tasks in this. Like, uh, I've got this thing. I have different profiles set up. So if I were actually to be uh, Twitch streaming, for example, I could press one button that would start the stream, initiate the recording, um, as well as send out the tweet that I'm going live. One button, stack tasks. Great application. Yeah. I'd be willing to bet with uh, how integrated they are, I'd be willing to bet that there is a feature that would allow me to m just have a button to mute audio to Discord without even going into it or looking at it right now. I bet you right. it's there. So the, and the funniest thing is it used to take a box that costs at least $5,000 to, to do all this. And now with the investment of a few hundred dollars, you can have an amazing streaming studio at your fingertips. And, and, and not only like, I mean, for, for broadcast live television, TriCaster is still the standard, but like not, not only did it, does it still cost so freaking much, you then basically need to get a degree <laughs> to be able to have uh, to know how to use a TriCaster because they are their own beast in and of themselves. And it's so cool to see like all these different, like, uh, you know, interpretations that are that aren't broadcast traditional broadcast ways of of switching right um that are popping up from black magic to roland to to everyone like it's it's crazy how that gap has been filled so quickly 
because 10 years ago, I mean, you know, there was one option. Yeah. You had the TriCaster or nothing else, but that's, yeah. the, that's the beauty of sort of the democratization model that we've had where people have said, you know what, why can't I have a piece of software that just does this or that works with this? And eventually we will kind of cross that bridge where all of the data ports that are available, we'll be able to get enough throughput where you may have an external device where you can connect broadcast quality Div, uh, cameras up to, for example, but then still power it through something free like OBS to get it out there. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah, OBS, it's crazy because like that program has done more for, and uh, it's so crazy to me. Like, like Twitch is an enigma to me because all it is is an aggregator. How do, like, how, all, how do you mean? All the heavy lifting is being done on on your own computer and the uh, the uh, ISP. That's very true. And uh, and all Twitch is, I mean, essentially, right? It's it's an interact interaction tool with your audience, which is very helpful. So I get that. Um, and then it's it's like a you know let's 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 step back eight years. It's like a podcatcher. It's it's one place where you can see everything that's that's being delivered or everything that's that's out there um but aside from that like everything else is being done on someone's computer like almost almost so here is the uh, because you're right first of all if you want to take twitch into consideration what it does is it quickly enables you to be able to have a method in order to develop your own broadcast channel like that um yeah. the difference is like for example right now we're going out through youtube and people can chat through youtube uh we're going out through periscope and i don't know how the hell people interact with that uh i haven't been checking the hashtag netheads because i suck uh but and and facebook has its own chat so you can interact that way but here is where twitch helps bridge the gap because it creates a situation where people have an ability to be recognized and be directly a part or influence on the show where if you are working with somebody that you admire, for example, you're following somebody and you want to case in point. Okay. I was able to make a $5 investment to get the guy who wrote the screenplay for book of Eli and for rogue one, a star Wars story, Gary Witta, I got to hear him say my name that will Wilkins because I gifted one subscription right. to his channel. So it also enables these ways to interact, whether you're donating, whether you're providing bits or anything else, those through the Twitch platform provide triggers that then your software can do something to have happen, whether it's a custom emote coming up, a custom sound playing, a custom item. Like another great way that you're able to do this, if you're playing one of those games right now that has jump out screams, uh, jump out items, or items that would scream or scare people, you could say, for example, do a donation of a certain amount and it would generate a scream in the host's ear for, you know, hey. or, or there are ways you can mess with them. Like, uh, like you could come up with action cards they could play that would flip your screen or other things. So it helps bridge that interactive gap so that you too can become 
part of the program, more so than me just saying, oh, Vaca Boca pointed out that quality sleep is so important, right? Uh, that's that's the call and response that exists in what we're doing now and admittedly in what I was doing in play TV in 1998 because it was just being able to read the chats that come in or potentially read right. the chat. But but that's what Twitch does, uh, as well as allowing you to kind of slip in and out of whatever category you want your channel to be in. For example, uh, I think I accidentally had R still going in Mall Brawl, and then I tried to switch it to just chatting, but I probably got distracted. <laughs> so it so it also does that. It helps enable you to focus your audience on what you're doing at the time or allows you to slip into another area. For example, if people just want to see people that are playing among us as possibly an opportunity to somebody to play with or to see what their strategies are. Speaking of which, interaction of uh of of the internet of things and the zeitgeist of things. Over this past week, Members of Congress were on Twitch TV, Trent, playing among us. Yep. And one of them was AOC. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying this to belittle her. I can't remember her name specifically, so I don't want to remember it. Um, or I don't want to say it and say it wrong because that would be a disservice. But she triggered, AOC triggered the third highest stream count on the platform, on Twitch. And mind you, on her channel and also streaming at the same time was a very popular YouTuber who was pulling in roughly around 40,000 views. And I think at the peak, the AOC Among Us stream, as awareness to get out the vote, hit 459,000 viewers. Hey, Beth. <laughs> And and that probably doesn't even include the restreams going on. People that were that were uh, hosting that on their own pages. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that aggregates up. But that was that to me was an interesting thing. And that is one of the that is one of the markers. By the way, I was shouting out Beth Longo chiming in from Facebook. So nice to see you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things where uh, what it, it impressed upon me was an imaginative way to attempt to get the younger audience engaged in the concept of making sure that you're registered to vote and get out to vote. Because I think that's an important message. And regardless of political affiliation, I think it's the thing that all Americans should always focus on. If you have the right to vote and you have the ability to vote, you should be voting. Because if you're never happy with the current political structure, voting is the only way you have to have any type of impact on it. And the only thing you have to remember is that much like uh, a, a long con, it takes time to enact this change. For example, if you find people that more align with a, if you're not a extreme right wing and you're not extreme left wing, maybe you're more of a centrist. You're looking for more bipartisanship. If you pr uh, project your vote out to a representative that has similar uh, beliefs, and then you're one empowering them to get into office, whether it's at local office all the way up through the greatest or the uh, most important position in the country, the president. That gives you that ability to affect that change. And the more people that do that helps align your views and your representation in that way. Um, so that's the first way that you affect change. The other one is that you're also contributing to the mass perception of what is going on. For example, if you are a person that is very much against the uh, 
more left beliefs of more socialistic approach, if you don't believe in democratic socialism, then you would be able to put your votes into more right-wing categories as a way that you, you are at least enabling your voice. Whether that's the end result of who is elected, uh, I can't say. But, you know, the more people that do that, the more that your voice also gets represented. Or if you're on the opposite side of things and you're you're not much of a person that's into the populist movement and everything else, then you can vote for those people that would best represent your values. But, you know, more importantly, too, I think one of the things that we need to have a focus in the political arena is also starting to back the candidates who may share our views but are also going to focus more on bipartisan cooperation. Let's actually put communication back into the process and have it so that our lawmakers are working for the greater good. Because one of the things that frustrates me, at least in the rhetoric that we're getting from the White House right now, for example, things are very red-focused and very blue-focused when, you know, it... I don't care what your political affiliation is. You're still representing all of the voters in uh, your district, in your county, in in your electorate, for sure. You know, uh, the president of the United States, whether he is a Republican or a Democrat, he is still representing all of the citizens of the United States, regardless of their political affiliation. So, sorry to go off on a rant here, folks, but please... I hope you're voting because technically I'm getting a pop-up too that uh, very soon I have to evaluate if I truly am going to volunteer on a call bank for uh, getting out the vote. Because What are you doing right now? What is this? You're taking a picture. Uh, I'm taking a picture to, to, to post to the people that are you know hang, uh, hanging out online of uh, my, my setup, my, my camera setup. I, I did something new this week. Oh, really? That's awesome. What did you, what did you do that's new? Um, uh, I'm using a, uh, mic arm with a cam rig, um, quarter inch, uh, clamp that then has, uh, three right, uh, angles adjustable so that, uh, there's less, um, movement when I touch the table. Oh, nice. You know what? I, I found that, uh, what helped reduce my camera shake right now. Because I've just got it on a on a two uh, joint arm, you know, you're like your traditional uh, swing arm. But yeah. uh, in order to get it at the angle I wanted, which I found actually reduced a lot of the movement, I, I undid those compression springs to kind of make sure it recoils back to a certain spot. Right. Yeah. But, but I am using a, a similar type of rig that you're talking about to hold up the stupid halo light in an approximate area. So I don't care if that bounces. Like you see a lot of bounce too, because you're on a, a camera that's on a monitor from my perspective speaking of which uh let's hit on gaming before we we wrap this up if that's okay and i'm sorry if there were any incompleted uh oh michelle Cuzo, hi happy sunday it's been forever since i've been able to catch you guys live hello welcome so glad you could join us um you sent out an interesting picture to me a little while ago because i believe i had asked you hey trent how's it going with the switch light and and you sent me just the funniest picture because I think you truly mastered the best way that you can utilize your Nintendo Switch Lite while still watching TV and enjoying your couch. Yep. Yes. Uh, it's uh, so for for any microphone uh, spring arm, uh, you can get attachments to the European mount. I, I believe it's like a. It's almost like a seven eighth. It's huge. The 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 initial connection, um, and one of them is just a very simple uh, spring loaded plastic C clamp uh, that's that's even padded. Uh, 
on the inside so that it won't scratch anything that it's that it's holding. And I set that up on uh, my coffee table. And uh, I have and we've talked about this in the past before. If you're playing any sort of, of switch, you got to get an, uh, an external uh, controller just because you, your your hands will just start to hurt. Um, and it, it also I found it, it helps keep the switch clean itself when you're not handling it all the time. Um, anyway, and now I'm able to have my head vertical like like horizontal straight in line and not looking down all the time or my arms aren't going dead from holding it up like this and i'm able to passively watch television at the same time uh because the the spring arm is holding the switch it has changed my uh not the amount that i was playing sadly uh but the uh enjoyment of it because my neck doesn't hurt anymore my arms don't get tired anymore like it is perfect i am mad at myself that i didn't think about it sooner <laughs> you you've basically found a way to just completely be relaxed while still yeah. seeing the portable screen i yeah, can appreciate that vision like oh man it is it's it's been fun i think uh what i've logged like fuck, 150 hours of moto gp20 so far <laughs> Man, you love them MotoGP games, don't you? I do. I really do. It's fun. Yeah. But at the same time, like, um, I'll screenshot this as, as well and, and throw it up on Twitter. But, like, I think I've I've watched this year. I, I have a log. Um, Hulu, I don't have the best records, but everything else I do. Uh, I've watched, like, 50 seasons of television this, this year. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Sometimes uh, that's that's all you have because if nothing else, it, it's really big to kind of distract ourselves uh, from the reality around us. And I know that I was remiss that I had only seen one season, for example, of Shit's Creek before uh, oh. watching the Emmys just to see how they would shake out and seeing that show completely sweep the comedy uh nomination areas um but man it is uh, especially when each episode is only 30 minutes so you can go through a situational comedy or any any of the show that's 30 minutes long you can go through them quick like the wife and i just started watching uh schitt's creek again and you know we're on the sixth and final season and i think it's only been like two weeks so i'm not surprised that is a lot of viewing that you can definitely squeeze in in a brief amount of time yeah it, it it is um and again it's passive and and there are shows that i um have left in my queue because i want to pay more attention to them um not while i'm playing video games um but yeah it's dude it it's seriously <laughs> such a simple fix why didn't i do it sooner i don't know well uh given how much tv you've watched i think i know the reason why there may have been something oh, in the back my, of your yeah. head Some, yeah. <laughs> something holding you back just in case yeah uh well man dude i don't know about you but uh i think we're at time but you know hearing your relaxed gaming scenario that uh, i can definitely appreciate that because i know personally when i'm playing on the tv itself uh man if i i want to be nice and comfortable because I know if I'm playing video games, then I'm I'm fully invested for a while. Because I don't, I play big. I, I either play big or I go home. And since I'm already home, I play big. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, you got to. 
And that's the exact reason why there are some things right now that I still also haven't watched. I've got so much going on, I don't have time to pay attention to things. Like, I almost feel like there's a certain segment we should start doing that's just like, what's in your queue? You know what I mean? Like, Ooh, yeah. Because for me, um, I have got still the remainder of season two. I watched the first four episodes, I think. I've got the remainder of season two of The Boys to watch. I have all of Lovecraft Country to watch. I still have... The majority of season two of Doom Patrol to watch. Oh, um, God. So, and and there's, you know, they've already talked about how there's a third season of that coming. So surprisingly, right? Like with with the uh, with the uh, what do you call it? Absorption of uh, the DCU app into uh, HBO. Everything else except Doom Patrol was canceled. Yeah, I know, but it, well, not that's not true. I think. Well, I don't know which way Stargirl is shaking out. Um, well, I bet CW though. That's is, that's it, not that's not an app only. Is it? I mean, it was originally well when it was originally created, it was intended to be app only for DC Universe. Then it got right. put on the CW. Uh, interestingly enough, as well, one of the ones that I did not see on uh, the DC Universe uh, that I hope might be present in HBO Max, uh, or I guess I'd be able to watch it through the CW app, but. Uh, one of the critical favorites from the DC Universe app was the Swamp Thing series, and its oh, ratings on good. the CW have just crushed. Yep. yep. I mean, in in the, as the kids would say, it slaps. So, <laughs> um, oh, I guess that's what you could have said about Winston's uh, feed. Oh, do the I, is that a thing? Slaps. Yes. Yes. And but, as a matter of fact, it had to have. It had to have been a thing actually a year ago, uh, but it's still being used, at least what I see on TikTok, because I've got no life. Uh, but uh, Darcy Carden, the first time I heard reference to it was when uh, in The Good Place, they get to The Good Place, and Janet is like, okay, uh, first let me learn everything about The Good Place, and I've learned it. Good news, it slaps. So that's the first time I heard it. But I you totally did that. And, and you got to remember, she recorded that in the summer of 2019. So, right. it, you know, it maybe it was one of them L.A. things that had to get out there. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I forgot what. I, oh, so uh, that makes me wonder, though, after seeing great ratings on the CW and with a lot of their superhero shows aging to the point of economical inviability, if you will. Uh, because if you guys aren't aware, in television, basically seven seasons is kind of like the golden ticket uh, because uh, talent has been trapped into specific prices at, at, at uh, sustainable rates. Once you get beyond that seventh year, talent costs go up, license, you know, everything, uh, cost increases go up uh, by quite a few fold. And, you know, you got to figure, I think the, the Flash is technically going to be going into its seventh season. Arrow ended during its seventh, I think. Uh, Supernatural, the exemption at, what, 13? But, hey, why not for Supernatural? Um, that being said, they've got a lot of their superhero stuff that we're kind of, is going to be hitting aging from a, quite a few perspectives. One, cost and viability. Two, talent wanting to stick around and the like. Uh, so seeing something like Swamp Thing that everybody loved, but the show itself was, it was, while it was in hiatus, it was too costly to keep the sets, for example. Right. I'm wondering what's going to happen now with that show, even though like it hasn't been in production in well over a year, what's going to happen now that it's been a ratings darling? 
You know, whereas other things that I would have thought have been ratings darlings have just, they've died. You know, Um, Netflix, for example, you just told me the soul crushing news that they canceled um, the Sabrina show that they had there, which was really well done. Yeah, d- despite like uh, being in pre-production for the the next season, like scripts were written, talent had the scripts, they were planning things, and it's over. Same thing happened to Glow. One of they Glow that right. we were told was renewed for a final season, but because of production increases and risks with that show, because it, it's it's a it's a a large ensemble show where you have a lot of people interacting a lot of times and. There's also the challenge of the close contact sport aspect of wrestling that was in it. Um, it got renewed. We were told it would be the last season, but then just the the COVID cost of it all made it uh, economically uh, undesirable. And yep. now we're not going to see that. Uh, so that's a big, big bummer. I mean, it's not like the sort of not to be totally unanticipated, but definitely not appreciated cancellation we got with Venture Brothers. Oh, God. I know. I'm still hurting from that. And I think there was, I don't, last Hashtag I heard there. Warning. Huh? Hashtag trigger warning. Yeah. Sorry. Oh. Um, but with, but with respect to that show, I know there were some rumors about maybe them trying to move it over to HBO Max, which. You know, I've still got it for at least a few more months. I got to remember when we bought the new phones because that's uh, that purchase, I think, is what qualified. No, no, no. never mind. I've got HBO Max because of the program, the cost saving program I'm on now. So for AT&T. So I get it for free. You get sucky service, but you get quality entertainment with unlimited data. That's that's what happens when content providers and service deliverables are one in the same. Yeah, I don't think that's a good mix for anything. That's just me, though. But, you know, in the future, it's all going to be Taco Bell, Trent. Uh, well, or as as we saw in Idiocracy, Carl's Jr., which I'm okay with. Of course, because as we all know. I love Carl's Jr. I'm so glad I finally got a good clean, clown, clean sound bite of that. All right. My linguistic capabilities are shot. I don't know why my mouth isn't working anymore. It's time for me to walk away. Uh, But please do me a favor, folks. Remember, uh, if you have the opportunity, go to YouTube.com slash NetHeads on air. Click that subscribe button. You get notified. uh, Click that bell so you get notified when we are going live. And, uh, you know, uh, we appreciate your support as always. Uh, And Trent, uh, is it Death Ray Media that we want to send them to? Uh, yeah, you can go to deathray.media for all of my stuffs. There you go. Just that easy, folks. Uh, and in case you haven't noticed, uh, I'm that Will Wilkins all over social media. He is a part of him just about everywhere you want to find him. Give us a follow because uh, we love interacting with you. And by the way, for all of you that are still with us, I just want to say as well, because I think this is something that, as what apparently I am now a content creator should do, I want you to all know that we deeply appreciate those of you that have been with us for a long time and those of you that join us on this journey whenever you have. It is always greatly appreciated to know that we are able to, in some way, either interact with or provide a service to you, and you are very much appreciated. So thank you very much uh, for for joining us on our journey. And, you know, if you're here with us, sticking around great and if we fall by the wayside, that's okay too. But I uh, just want you to all know we appreciate y'all and and thank you so much. So 
Uh, Ed, do you want to tag in on that sappiness? Uh, we love you, and and you matter. There we go. And it gets better. No, wait, that's the wrong message. Anyway, until next time, folks, my name is Will. And I'm Trent. And we will be back soon. I hope. This is NetHeads with Will Wilkins and Trent Hunsaker signing off. I know, right? But stop being a little Nancy and deal with it. NetHeads. NetHeads. We'll be back soon. Goodbye. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com. We went through all of that, and the big thing that I talked up about before the show, which is probably good, because it would have been two minutes of content anyway, was bitching about Apple's decision to not, incuse a, uh, not include a power block anymore. Can you believe that? We covered it. Done. There Check we are. Off. Yeah, it's frustrating and stupid, guys. Not necessarily not having a power block, but if you're going to be giving us a lightning cable with a USB-C end... That's great if we're going to be plugging into one of our MacBook Pros to charge our, our MacBook, but the majority of those chargers out there that you're saying you don't want to make because you want to reduce the carbon footprint, aren't we going to be increasing production costs by having to get a stupid adapter to go from USB 2 to, to USB-C? Right? Just make sure, you know, that Apple does uh, uh, want you to make sure you're getting the best quality, so buy their adapter, buy their dongle. <laughs> As Lurch says, screw Trent stuff. I want to go out. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, everybody.